Hello, hello, Mr. Mobat. How are you? I'm pretty good. Hello, Mr. Prince. How are you today? Got Man, I'm good. I, well, I've had a I've had a stressful I've had a stressful afternoon, but I, I I'm gonna get into that. I just um wanted to tell everybody that we've got a really really great show today. We've got lots to talk about. It's kind of a, a moment of um, like levity for me to to know that we're gonna have such a cool show. <laughs> We got a lot of good things to to get into. I did want to say for, if you guys are listening, the ones who wrote to us on Instagram about being a new guest, thank you so much. It's so great to get such a big response from new artsy-fartsy immigrants that we had never heard of before, that we, you know, didn't meet through friends or something. It's so great. Um, for those who don't know, we, you know, on our Instagram at artsy fartsy immigrants, we put out this post, uh, last week, just a classic, um, p- picture that we shared that just said, if you are an artsy fartsy immigrant, or if you know someone, you know, you can DM us or you can write an email. And we got a lot of responses for the first time, like a, a really nice batch of new people. And I'm really excited to jump into it. We've got musicians, artists. Um, there's even a drag queen from London I'm really excited to talk to. We've never had a drag queen on the show before. No, we didn't. I'm also very looking forward to that. And Yeah, yeah it's that should be awesome. Super nice that so many um, people reached out. Thanks a lot. And still, if you are an Artifacts immigrant or find, so- find one somewhere, <laughs> bring them to us. <laughs> yeah, drag them over. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's so cool. I mean, we even have... Um, yeah, we have an announcement to make. We have our our first guest of the year scheduled. Is it? It's not. No, it's not next week, but the week after. Yes, I think the release day is February eleventh. We're gonna have our first guest of the year. Her name is Anna. She's an installation artist and concept artist uh, from Barcelona, Barcelona. And I've I've met her before. Uh, I used to work with her boyfriend at a cafe here in Munich, but I haven't seen her in probably three years. So it's really nice to catch up in general. And it's really cool that she wrote in uh, along with all these other um, new people. So it's really exciting. And I did want to say also, uh, for those who are just joining us for the first time, or if you've been on, if you've heard the show before, then you know the drill. Basically, uh, if you would go to iTunes and give us a rating or a review or something, it really helps uh, new listeners find us. I mean, it really, it just puts us way over the map with that kind of support. I mean, that just helps so much more than you could imagine. And if you want to financially support the show to perhaps uh, help Moritz or myself save up, save up for new equipment or for a boys' night together to celebrate our upcoming new guests <laughs> um, go to financeourparty.com <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> finance our artsy farts you can go to patreon.com slash jordan prince and there for um, i think as low as three dollars a month you can put forward money to uh supporting the show and you can also get some insider you know behind the scenes info you you can get first dibs on finding out who the next guests are getting information information from us about what's coming so just wanted to get that right out of the way here at the beginning. And what I really thought about starting with today, which I thought could be could be interesting for um, specifically 
artsy farters who had moved from somewhere else into Germany, because I'm sure it's applicable to other countries as well, but, and especially if foreigners move to America, I know they have to deal with this a lot too, like we heard with Vivi's episode. But basically, my situation right now with my health insurance and my new jobs and taxes and everything, uh, it's really crazy. And I had such a such a long um, afternoon so so far basically dealing with what the next step should be. And man, there is just nothing more isolating and overwhelming and belittling and crushing than German bureaucracy, man. Yeah, It's just crazy. It's just crazy. And I go in waves with dealing with it where sometimes I feel that I can handle it. Sometimes I feel motivated. Sometimes I talk to the right people and I, I get the right information. And then I tell myself, it's just making phone calls, filling out paperwork, do it each, do it in steps and it, and it will get done. And for the most part, that's like universally true. But the problem is that it's also in another language and it's not easy. Yeah. So sometimes this other wave comes where I'm completely like drowning in it and I cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel. And that's kind of where I was a couple of hours ago. I'm a little bit closer to feeling like I can handle it again. But I also, I wanted to talk about kind of what that process looks like for me on here for those who, um, creative freelance types who um, maybe are going through the same thing just to just to bounce this concept off of like what it is for a foreigner to look at this kind of force that they've you know not, not this force against you but this kind of like barrier that you have to overcome so just long story short um and i'm, I'm just going to steal the steal the show a little bit from you for a second easy, easy. just to tell this um, but basically for those who don't, who don't know me so much, if you're new to the show, basically I'm, so I'm, I'm a musician and now I've gotten recently into, of course, hosting this podcast and I did a, um, hosting for a TV show and I've always been interested in, in the creativity, creative work. Um, and I've always done freelancing on the side of, you know, what I would call day jobs, just, um, full-time and or part-time jobs at, you know, your basic cafe or restaurant or something to support, uh, your bills and stuff while you chase this, this dream. And I've gotten very lucky in the last year or so. Uh, it's been a kind of a bittersweet ride because I had a full-time job. Let me back up even more. Basically, if you have a full-time job in Germany, um, no matter what, if you have a full-time job, or I think even 20 hours or something, then the, the employer will cover your health insurance. And half of it. It's half of yeah. it. Right. But the full-time employer covers it, right? No, like I'm, I didn't I'm full-time employed and um, like it's, um, yeah, 50% um, is covered by my employer and 50% I have to pay on my own. But um, when you get your... Um, when you get your paycheck, ah, you get your it check, is already um, it's already taken out. Already taken out. Yeah, that's the way it works. That's right. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Right. 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 So you don't actively so pay. Your employer, it, so basically, it's your half of it is your money, but it's you know you 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 don't uh, like actively pay it. 
Right. It's just automatically, yeah. like through your employer, it's already, it's channeled out automatically. And in Germany, it, it's illegal to not have health insurance. Everyone must have health insurance. And, you know, they can make bargains and agreements with people on certain levels, depending if you're unemployed or, or your income and things like that. But basically, I was working at a school, um, at an elementary school, the Grundschule, until the end of last summer, they had to let go of my position because of Corona, because I was a luxury position. And so I went on unemployment. And unemployment in Germany, or at least in Bavaria, is uh, pretty cool to to an extent. So basically, they're giving me um, a certain amount of money per month, like unemployment works, and they are paying for my health insurance. And the only thing that I have to do in return is to show them that I'm looking for jobs and applying for jobs and uh, making an effort. So that's the first like big part that you should know. And the part where I got lucky is that in the last year, or the, yeah, the last few months even, um, I wasn't sure what was going to happen for me in terms of finding a job. You know, I'm a, like a musician and a, a host and uh, a creative like a writer person. And I, I mean, there's no you know, there's not going to be some application on indeed.com that's like <laughs> looking for English speaking, you know, whatever yeah. TV host or something like that. So I was really getting anxious. And uh, so I I was really interested in working at um, radio stations. I thought that would be a good fit for me, especially like being on, like having this podcast. I've had some practice for the past year and some change working in this way and I enjoy it. So I sent out all of these uh, CVs, these resumes to different radio stations, different networks, uh, super huge ones that I knew I would never hear back from and really small ones that I thought maybe there's something I can do using all of my contacts, using all my friends. And the first thing that happened that I feel really thankful for is that I got, um, I got accepted to be, it's kind of a crazy coincidence, but basically... There's a radio station in Munich. It's in, I think it's in three different cities, but it's called Ego. And they are starting their own uh, English show uh, on Sundays. And by the time, so you're going to hear this yeah, tomorrow. So I think we're going to start officially announcing it in like a few days. So February 1st or something. And they they saw my resume and I did some some uh, test hours at home where I, I made I made my own show at home like with the music and stuff and then they they liked it I came in for an interview and that was great so I have I, I will have this show starting in February but it's only three hours a, a week and I thought man you know I really would love to get something else at the station so I could make it a part-time job so that I could leave my unemployment and still have my health insurance covered. And then basically there's this potential opportunity for, for me to work at the same station that Mo works at. There's a, there's a potential to have something cool there as well, but it's also not a, a set, like a, like a set up part-time job. It's just another freelancing thing, which is really cool. And I'm very thankful. And it sounds like a lot of fun. Um, but the, I see now I'm in this tricky position. This is the position I'm, I'm dealing with so much right now is that I have these two cool jobs, but they are just shy of being enough hours for it to cover my health insurance. So now I'm talking to my unemployment client who's uh, dealing with my file about, you know, if these two jobs together 
are under or around 15 hours a week because then I could technically stay unemployed, uh, which until a certain amount of time, maybe by then, you know, one of the stations would have a spot where I could come in part-time, you know, or I have to consider going ahead and, and leaving unemployment and just being a freelancer, in which case... Do I actually have enough money coming in in the next few months where I could imagine living off of it and paying my health insurance? And yeah, it's just a very complicated thing because although those two options sound very easy to choose between, the bureaucracy between like the actual numbers and the the patterns and the methods to get either one of those things done is just so complicated. No. It's just so crazy. It's just so crazy. Um, there was one option. So when you're on unemployment here in, in, in Munich, if you, if you, uh, if they're paying you the unemployment that would be worth, this is kind of hard to describe. So if you had a full time job, a 40 hour a week job and you get, uh, relieved and you go on and you go on unemployment, then they will pay you uh, the amount you would roughly the amount you would have been making for that full time job, and if you get relieved for a part time job, then you obviously you're going to get less money per month than the full time job person. And if you're on the full time payment, then if you have at least 150 days remaining of your unemployment money, then you can apply. If you're trying to start your own business and be a freelancer, you can apply for this thing called the Gründungszuschuss. Mm-hmm. Very difficult word. It took me a lot of times to get that word down. But basically, that that's like, um, I'm trying to think of the perfect English translation for that, but it's it's essentially a uh, a business founding permit. Yeah. In, in a sense, you 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 file yourself as a business. Uh, me, Jordan Prince, as a as a songwriter, as a singer, as a, ho- a TV uh, radio host, as a you know, uh, I do I'm doing some voiceover stuff. So like, just as a, I don't even know how I would label myself, but just as like a general entertainer or something, I could file this. But that process is so complicated. And they and the unemployment people often tell you that that won't work. You know, they kind of encourage you against it. Although I have three friends who all did it, and they said it wasn't really that hard to get it. It's just hard to get all the paperwork ready. No. But now I'm, but you know, but now I might have missed that window to apply for that because if you, I should have backed up. If you do get that, then you can leave unemployment and be self-employed with yourself and they still give you assisted money each month. And that's what you want because then you're not technically unemployed. Then you can take every job that that you get. You can invoice properly. You can pay for your insurance with the assisted money coming in each month. It's just an ideal situation for like a new freelancer. But I might have missed that window, which would mean that I'm still technically on unemployment and I have these two radio jobs coming and I'm not sure what I can, like what the next step is really. It just feels very, just feels very, I don't know, complicated. It just feels very complicated. But first of all, regarding those two radio jobs, how can the ego job only be three hours? Well, it's just one, like the only thing I do 
is this program, and the program is three hours. So yeah, I but can, that I still means ad- more work. Like, I'm I'm doing radio for 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 quite some while now, and if you have a a three hour show, you gotta and you gotta pick a lot of the music by yourself, don't you? Mm. Well, at Ego, I'm sh- that responsibility is mainly falling into the music production team. Okay. So yeah, we, sure. we, we compromised. Yeah, we agreed like what the vibe is and yeah. I, made, I made a playlist for them and stuff. And there's there's one section called Jordan's Jukebox okay. where I think I'm picking, I'm picking like three songs yeah. and the rest is kind of agreed through this other yeah, guy. Yeah, but the whole thing, I would guess, is prepare everything you need for your show, etc. Um, at least if you're experiencing good, like two extra hours. So that would already make five. You know what I mean? Damn. Then now I really don't know what to do then. <laughs> <laughs> because then then that would mean that I would have to switch off into Yeah, but the thing for ego. Yeah. Even if that was uh let's say it was like 7 hours to make a show. Yeah. I'm only getting paid per show, not per hour. Yeah, because that's that's the next thing I I wanted to ask if you if you really needed to, I think you could still make that claim that you get paid for that show and how many and uh, how many hours you put into making that happen is basically your thing because you get paid per show, right? Yeah, right. So I think the best option now, or at least what I talked to uh, talked to my friend earlier about, was that I stay on unemployment for now and see if I can still be eligible for the Grundungs, and if I'm not, then maybe I just have to bite the bullet and somehow maybe just become a freelancer and then there's another option that I haven't talked about yet which is trying to get into the there's there's a health insurance for artists called the Kunstler Sozialkasse and th- what that means is it's a health insurance specifically for basically people like me yes. who trying to freelance doing radio doing music whatever creative stuff and they act as an employer and they pay 50% of your health insurance. Yeah. That's also a little tricky to get into, but I'm quite certain that I would qualify for it. Yeah, sure. The thing is, I also know them because for um, um, they also cover um, cover uh, journalists. Like journalists are also, regarding insurances, journalists are also viewed as artists, basically. Oh, that's um, cool. That's the same thing. And I... I've heard many different stories. I know people that have that said it wasn't that hard to get into it, but it took quite a while until um, they they really would get it. And other people that said it was hard for them to get into it. Basically, you can apply for uh, Künstler Sozialkasse if at least sixty percent of your income comes from like creative work, right? Right. And and I guess if you're I guess if you're just a straight up freelancer, if I if I just bit the bullet, left unemployment and was just freelancing, then whatever little money would be coming in would be one hundred percent creative. No. Right? So that because if it's the if it's the two radio jobs and then maybe which is the cool thing, that would that would be consistent, no. which is really cool. Um, if everything works out. And then, you know, I have like these little tricklings of new opportunities that are just kind of, you know, 
barely almost there falling into place. So like, I feel hopeful that there would be work, but I would just have to, yeah, maybe, maybe next month or something or March, I should just, I should just go for it. Yeah. But, um, you know, what I think about is, um, like the one thing with, um, the radio station I'm also working at is not sure yet. That's uh, one thing, but if that works out, Plus the ego job. If you find one other thing, wouldn't that already make right. for a, like a, like at least at least like a um, a pretty good basic income? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely not complaining about uh, about the money that's being talked about for these jobs yeah, at but all. But then you wouldn't be unemployed anymore. Uh, I, I don't. But then, yeah, then I'm well over 15 hours and would just have to leave unemployment and then be a freelancer. But then. It's not that bad, but then I would have to renegotiate the health insurance situation because I think let's let's throw like a let's use there like a really random example. Like I'm trying to ballpark if that's that's eight hundred. So let's say roughly with the radio jobs, if if that were to be like eight or nine hundred, and then I let's say I tutored guitar. Let's say I tutored guitar. Uh, to one kid a week for one lesson. Yeah. So maybe that's maybe that's twenty five or thirty. So maybe yeah. So it's like let's say it's like eight fifty nine hundred. Let's say it's nine hundred. Then if my health insurance is you know on public for artists, it can be like four hundred fifty a month. Yeah. So if I, if let's say if I do nine hundred a week for four weeks, that would be without considering tax like 3600 minus 450 so still no but st- uh, that's still I'm still not sure about tax I mean I would have to include like the 19% or something right I have to take that out first let's say I did let's say I did 3600 times but the 19% like the, the you mean you mean like um something like Mehrwertsteuer Umsatzsteuer but that you you, you only would have to to worry about that if you are officially a um like what do you call it um selbstständiger selbstständig yeah, yeah. Um, and then you would have to and th- there's this thing with this kind of what is it like 17000 euros a year if you get over that you would have right. to to apply to become an like an official selbstständiger um, right. So this this just just to explain what you're talking about just for a second, like so that that's that's just talking about taxes now as opposed yeah. to health insurance, and that's and that's also where I am too. That's another thing to consider yeah. is in Germany if you make it's like seventeen thousand five hundred a year. If you make that or under, you're what they call a Kleinunternehmer. Yeah. Which means for that your creative invoices, like what he's talking about, that you don't have to invoice additional money on top. I don't have to pay tax for my music work now. No. But with the radio jobs, if it is like 900 yeah, or something a, a week, then I would definitely cross that very quickly, um, which I'm thankful for, but it means that I would no longer be eligible for Kleinunternehmer yeah. and would have to switch to Zebstein, which means freelance, and then I would have to pay the 19% tax on each, uh, on each invoice and... Yeah, and then save all these receipts and pay the tax. But the nineteen percent is something and, uh, different. I th- I think it's another percentage, but yeah, but that's basically that's basic something like that's that. That's basically 
the dealing. But what is because um, like off mic, we also talked about one other um, possibility that you could do, which would make your insurance way cheaper, is enrolling as a student at one of Munich's universities. You could do that. I mean, that would be that. I I that just seems so almost far fetched to okay. me. I but just I mean and maybe I'm wrong to think it's far fetched. Maybe I maybe I don't understand it enough to 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 that digest it as a real option. But in my head, for some reason, like uh, enrolling as a student, uh, but also because there's not like there's not like a class that I would be able to understand enough to pass. You know? yeah, but the thing is, you wouldn't because now we come to the big difference between um, between American colleges and universities and uh, the ones in German, because um, so we talk about <laughs> basically this kind of <coughs> loophole of having this kind of student status. Um, so you would not attend any like any lessons or or classes, but you would still enroll for one to have this official status as a student which um gives you certain bonuses regarding um taxes regarding your health insurance etc but doesn't that sort of feel like i'm just putting off and like this inevitable switch it, like doesn't it feel like i'm i'm using that to just push off something further instead of using it as a as an actual solution Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. But I, I still find this funny to this day because, like, this is a like a common method with many people. Like, enroll as a student for for some subject without attending it, just to use it for for those certain bonuses. And it's like something Crazy. so many people do. Like at the moment, I know at least five people who who are in a status like that. Um, and. Um, One could argue that this is um, not that cool, but it's a, a thing that that many people know and many people do, and nobody has a, has a big big issue with it because you don't take anything away from anybody or something. Right, it's like a victimless yeah. uh, loophole, yeah, sort of, kind of like that. I mean, I definitely, I still have it here. Like, I have this notebook. I mean, oh my god, guys! Usually, I buy these um, college ruled. Like usually I buy these college ruled 80 page notebooks and just only put stuff I enjoy in them. I end up keeping notebooks usually because it's either either like um, songwriting ideas or it's, um, you know, meetings I had about uh, podcast episodes or a phone call I had with like a music supervisor or a, a contract terms for a, a licensing agreement, things that I enjoy, you know, having in my notebook. Like, oh, remember when I did that? That was cool. Um, and this notebook is so, it's, it's the most punished, punished notebook I've ever owned. It's, it's like 40% tax and health insurance at this point, no. this poor guy. I mean, there's like a couple songs in here, but it, it's just butchered at this point with, with, I mean, there's like the, the hotline to my health insurance on here and the notes that we talked about, uh, including the student thing and like three different phone calls and the pages I don't know if you can see this. So what the pages all look like no, I this. I see only your, your weird background because yeah, you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you have let me this, click on. Um, let me click on Skype. Hold on, so I can see myself better. 
Oh, you're right. It does. <laughs> Let me turn that off. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Um, choose background effects. No, not that one. No, no, blank. Yeah, it looks like this. Okay. Just like, just scribbles and uh, arrows and circles and <laughs> tears <laughs> that stain the ink. That's <laughs> oh, crazy, man. I'm, I mean, the thing is, like I said at the beginning of this, and I hate, I hope that I'm not really, I hope I'm, I want to change it, make it more fun <laughs> soon. I just don't, I don't want to drag the whole show down. But the thing is, I also, I know that I will, I know that I'm going to overcome this. I know that I will eventually get through what I have to do to make money, pay taxes, have health insurance, and just be a normal civilian yeah. again. It's just that, that gray zone. I don't know. I, I'm sure that I just feel more overwhelmed by it. I think as a foreigner who struggles with seeing the language and, and going like, whoa, 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 what's that word? So that's a huge word. What is <laughs> yeah. that? And I can totally understand that because, um, so me b- being someone who's confronted with all of this in his, in his native tongue, it's right. like, um, like every time I have to go, um, to um, to anything, any, official stuff like i don't know insurance for for my scooter or something about my health insurance or um i don't know um certain bills for for official stuff etc and anytime i have to 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 pick up the phone and call some someone who's part of this bureaucratic um machine <laughs> i feel yeah. like i'm a 12 year old in school again who has who, who totally who didn't do his, his his math homework or something, <laughs> and so I I, I totally yeah. I totally feel that it must be even worse for you as someone, um, for who it is, for who everything is happening in his second language. Right, right, and did I I have to say, I have to say, like going through this as a as a foreigner really shines a light on the efforts that of, of people who have moved to America that I just completely took, uh, uh, not undermined, mm. but I, I just brushed it over like, Oh, that sounds, that sucks. That sounds hard. You yeah. know, when I was living there in my bubble and not thinking about the world and stuff, no, it was just so easy to go like, Oh yeah. Oh, that sounds tough. But now I'm going through it myself and I think, Oh man, they went through so much harder stuff than I did. Like Vivi, this whole thing with her visa is like still going on. It's been like 10 years. Uh, kind of having to fake it's a crazy. marriage or something just to be able to stay some somewhere where you already live for years, etc. You know, it's crazy is Vivi got married and she still isn't done with her visa stuff. Mm. It's so insane. Um, but that's... That's all I really, yeah, I just wanted to start the show with that partially, like I told you before we started, just to kind of almost vent about it, just to put it out, like to say everything out loud so that maybe when I repeat it out loud, I'll find a kind of solution in it. Because I think when some, some things are just in my head, they seem harder, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I think, and I think just biting the bullet and finding a way to pay the insurance and stuff, I mean... The radio jobs are there. The thing is, they are they're there. I don't have to hope that they they, they come. Like mm. at least one of them for sure is like certain, and I I have to be thankful that there is something there, and I can I will be able to get by. I think it's just you know it's January. It's such a cursed month. 
Yeah. You know, it's still dreaming of 2020. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully, hopefully not too much. No, no, no. But I think it'll be, it'll be fine. It's just, it's just a lot to take in. And, um, I think nobody, nobody likes this, this, this conversation, like, uh, dealing with this stuff. Yeah, dude. And I'm, I mean, like, um, every time I have those kind of, um, um, meetings or, or, um, I don't know where, um, when I have to go to an kind of authority office or something and you have to pick a number and wait there in a room and, um, you see a lot of people around you, um, that are also, um, migrating from somewhere and I have the same struggles as you. Plus now we get to the next level. Maybe you're someone with an, I don't know, an, an Arab background or an African or um, Southeast Asian background or something. And probably you're not even that um, firm with English. <laughs> and I always feel right. so bad for these people. And, and, and when I have to, to go to an office and I, I see someone and I see some possibility to maybe help them a little bit, just, I don't know, translating something because I, I'm also not, I, I have honestly, every time when, when I, when I have to go to, to, to an office like that or something, I have absolutely no clue what's, what's about to happen. I, 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 like I said, I feel right. like the dumbest child ever. Like if it's picking up an, right. a, new, um, a new passport or something, I went there and I thought I had everything I needed to, to bring there. And then I'm sitting there and I mean, like, and, I'm, and I'm waiting and I think, like, okay, now ev- I don't know what, what will happen now. Basically, anything could happen, and um, yeah, anything could happen. And I mean, I find it so crazy that there are so. So obviously, it's natural because those systems are mainly built for 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 people that that live there and and are uh, are speakers of of the of the the the, 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 the language, um, etc. But still, I find it so crazy how many levels of fuck up there are for for people with with different backgrounds, like. Yeah, let's be someone who yeah. is, who has no European background and who doesn't speak that that much English. It's right. poo. It's like, yeah, like a little part of hell, probably. Um, I just just to just to change the flow a little bit here. I did want to, you know, we we talked about on the last episode uh, about maybe finding like a funny. Or an interesting kind of theme to bounce with between, you know, Germans and Americans and, you know, keeping this this theme of immigration r- rolling into a new topic. And um, I mean, I, I think starting with this topic was hopefully helpful for somebody and also just to let anyone going through it wherever they have migrated and to. probably that helpful for yourself. Alone. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Hopefully, if someone... Um, uh, knows more about the struggles Jordan have has um don't have that to 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 reach out and help a poor podcaster out. <laughs> Podcast at M945 <laughs> or DM on Instagram at artsy fartsy immigrants. Um so I found this website <laughs> I found this website um where the the whole thing is Top 10 Differences Between USA and Germany, an experience report from an American visiting Germany. And this is this is before Corona. It's from 2018. And I'm really curious to kind of throw these, these um, opinions at you 
from someone from an American who just visited Germany and to maybe see if we can pick apart um, his interpretation, if it's legitimate, if we can maybe, if, if his opinion, if it is legitimate to explain more, and if it's not legitimate to explain why not. I think that could be kind of interesting. Okay. So, um, he says, hey guys, this is Marshall, blah, 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 blah. I love traveling. So as an American traveling to Germany, I wasn't prepared for the shock in cultural differences I was about to experience, both good and bad, but also exciting and frustrating. Here are the top 10 cultural differences I experienced while living abroad in Germany. So for number one, he says, <laughs> not all Germans wear Dandel and Lederhosen. <laughs> That's the most cliche one. <laughs> That's... I hope, I really hope that some people don't actually think that all Germans do. I mean, there must be some people, I guess. Yeah, I mean, and that's the, the most, the most um, cliche one and the one, the one, um, so many, in so many formats on, I don't know, social media, on YouTube, etc. Um, right. Like, people who do this i i've just seen a, a youtube account it's something called like like um german girl living in america or something and all these people talk about this this kind of cliche and the only thing i want to say about it is that i find it weird that so first thing this whole lederhosen dindle thing is not germany it is uh, Southern Germany, mostly Bavaria, and you might associate that um, because of Oktoberfest, this huge um, thing, world's largest, like, what do you call it? Volksfest. Fest, yeah. Um, like a, f a car festival, carnival. Yeah. Um, but what I find quite interesting is that uh, Germans, or also especially Bavarians, do not really have an interest to get rid of this cliche and really and rather use it as a kind of marketing tool i would say like oh and that's go, interesting type in google any location you like any city in america or um i don't know on planters somewhere plus hofbräuhaus i'm pretty sure for I don't know, let's say six out of 10 <laughs> cities that come to your mind, you'll find um, a Hofbräuhaus near, nearby. Hofbräuhaus is this kind of, um, uh, yeah, pretty famous, um, legendary, like huge pub <laughs> in Munich. And, and they started to build like franchise to deliver this kind of... <laughs> I typed in I typed in New York Hofbräuhaus and it pops up right there on seven twelve Third Avenue, New York, New yes, York. Yes, and there's right there. there's one in Washington D.C. as well. There's one in Chicago. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. Um, as I think there's one in Dubai, one in I don't know Shanghai, Bangkok, whatever. They and they and they really kind of kind of spread that. Um, and use it as a, as a marketing cool tool, and I've, I don't know. I, I've, that's the only thing I find interesting about this fact that um, Germans don't do so much to get rid of this cliche. <laughs> so you don't like that they use this traditional 
seldom worn outfit as a as a way of like selling tourism um no i i don't have a have a, i'm not a big tra- like do you think do you think it's kind of disrespectful or? no that's that's what i want to say i'm i'm not i'm not a kind of a traditionalist in terms of um that i don't really care for what they for what they they use this kind of kind of tradition i own lederhosen my well a traditional one from the region where i come from etc and from time to time for a certain i don't know family parties or something i wear it and that's cool and i don't care what um i don't really care what they what, what right. they what they um do with it but i don't i don't really like and, and no matter if it is about cliche german so called i don't know culture or or um kitchen or whatever or american or italian i don't know i i i just don't i just don't like these kind of um <laughs> i call them black like plastic um outlets like this cli- like right, you have like those, those super or... cliche over the top so-called american diners in germany you know what i mean or or yeah um, oh yeah 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 all of all of this stuff i don't know not my thing <laughs> i just wanted to say i'm looking at the website now and uh for those who are interested to know there is an there is a Hofboy in st louis illinois in Cleveland, Ohio, <laughs> in Chicago, Illinois, in Las Vegas, Nevada. Mom, you're going to have to tell me if you went there with Bruce and David. <laughs> uh, in Columbus, Ohio. In What's the thing with Pittsburgh. Ohio and Illinois? <laughs> I don't get it. We- Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and the last one is Newport, Kentucky, at least the ones on this on this list. Okay, okay. But we already talked about but- that there... Um- uh, is a kind of a thing for German culture in in Chicago because a lot of right, Germans yeah. There. But yeah, but that's that's um, uh, that's uh, the first uh, cliche we talked about. Not all Germans wore lederhosen and dirndl. Surprise, 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 surprise. Yeah, and just just a final thought too. Like I've also worn lederhosen. I think I've worn it. I could probably say eight times. I I can't imagine I've worn it more than ten times since I've lived here, and. It's only, you know, it's like you said, it's a very regional thing. I wore it, I don't know, maybe three times to Oktoberfest. And I've worn it the other, I don't know, three or four times to special events. I went to um, the um, christening or baptism of my uh, little niece and wore it there because it was asked of me and that's no problem. I went to someone's wedding. Uh I think it was someone's wedding. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I wore it to someone, yeah, like um, some cousins uh, of, of Ify, some cousin's wedding, um, because they really wanted that, like a super traditional thing, and that's fine. Um, and, you know, but when there's an opportunity to not wear it, it's also, it's not my um, culture, and it's not, it's not something I enjoy wearing a lot, just because I find them a little bit uncomfortable. It's kind of awkward for me. But I have, but I totally respect and enjoy yeah. when someone wants to wear it, and they do. But it's definitely not something that I like. If if you're in Munich and you see someone wearing it, they stick out like a sore thumb, and it's really strange. <laughs> yeah, the only and the only people who wear it regularly, regularly in like cities like Munich, etc., are like um, waiters and waitresses in restaurants because that's kind of the dress code yeah. for them. But regarding um, that you don't find them comfortable, um, and that's the thing 
they are super comfortable, but you gotta own your own for yourself handmade pair. Then they're super comfortable. That's the thing. That that I can believe. Yeah, I can believe that. Especially since it's usually when it, especially when it's given down through your family, it's such fine, genuine leather, yeah. and it's all hand handcrafted and stitched by hand. And it's, I'm sure it's I'm sure yeah. it can be really comfortable. I've only ever worn hand me down. But fun fact. To give a, to add a little something to this cliche, to this day, I feel more comfortable in lederhosen than in a suit. <laughs> That's fair, man. That's fair. I see. I'm the opposite. I I I can enjoy lederhosen. I can get into it if I need to. But I love a good suit. I love a good suit. Um, okay, number two. So he says, number two. As an American, I'm used to stores being open seven days a week, with some even open 24 hours a day. Not in Germany. When visiting Germany to get ready to plan, get ready to plan ahead to do your shopping, with many stores closing by 6 or 8 p.m. and all stores closed on Sundays. That is regional to Bavaria for sure. I know in, in Berlin they have um, these kiosks that are open yeah, and then, uh, all throughout the night and stuff. And in other regions of Germany, also supermarkets are open until at least 10 p.m. or something. That's cool. But that that's definitely something that, like, as an American, I can completely um, relate to and I can vouch for is that, you know, I'm, I've gotten used to it here, I suppose, but there is just something about every single store being closed on Sundays that just feels like a drag, especially in the summertime when you just, or, you know, in the fall or something when you, you you have time on Sundays. So you're like, oh, I want to go maybe get that jacket I thought about, or I can go, you know, uh, let's go, oh, I forgot to get fresh bread or I forgot to get, you know, eggs for this thing. And you just can't, there's just very few like gas stations. You hope they have what you need, but it's just, um, an extremely frustrating thing. And I, I miss that 24 hour, uh, like a Seven Eleven or trying to think of other little markets like that, or even just like a Walgreens or something that's open until midnight. It's just so convenient and so nice to have around. And I miss popping into, um, little stores like that. I mean, when I was in college in, in New Orleans, just down the street from the university was a Walgreens or a CVS. And, I think it was open until midnight or at least 11. And I mean, this was, this was the most convenient thing in the whole world to live close to as a college student, because of course, you know, they sold medicine and they had a pharmacy in there, but they also had, you know, they had some alcohol, they had, um, they had, uh, snacks, they had frozen foods. Um, I wouldn't say that they offered anything particularly healthy, (laughs) but they, (laughs) You know, but they had everything that a college kid would want to be close to and conveniently near to. I mean, they, they must just make so much money yeah, there because sure. everybody goes there. Sure, yeah. Everybody goes there. You know, it's really frustrating here to have to plan so far ahead. Like if you're, if you're like, oh, my buddy's going to come over, you know, like, oh, Monday we're d- going to do a thing. Then if you don't think about it on Friday or Saturday then you're kind of boned unless you can squeeze away on Monday morning to go to the store. Yeah, or, um, I don't know, you want to, you have the time to, to I don't know, really cook a, sp- a special meal on a Sunday. And, you know, okay, Saturday you have those plans and Friday you're going to work late. When do you, when are you going to do the shopping? <laughs> when are you going right. to shop your grocery, groceries for, for, um, for the weekend? Yeah. 
And then you either have to hope that there's, I mean, here at the, at the Ostfriedhof, there's this Edeka in the, like a little, like a smaller version of a grocery store inside of this bus station. But, you know, it's not so convenient depending where you live and then it's really small. And then usually there's like a line out the door of people. And I just think like, I understand, I understand that some places want to or need to be closed on Sundays, but I feel like they could just, they, they could just make so much more money. If some places, if some grocery stores were open, like let's say if like IOD or Edeka or or Revit or something had even like these express shops open on Sundays, I mean, there would always be people inside there. They would, if you had, uh, if you, if you put out jobs on like a job site and said like, who wants to, who's like volunteering to work on Sundays, you would definitely have people who would say, yeah, I'll be a cashier. I'll be a cashier for four hours on Sunday. Who cares? And you would you would make new jobs. You would the you would make more money for the economy. You would boost the consumerism. I mean, I don't see anything wrong with it. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I I, I don't I I still kind of yeah see the idea of it, but I I yeah I still would say it's it's out of fashion because obviously or I don't know if it if it's obvious to so many people, but it comes from a very um from a kind of Christian background, like on Sunday right. you don't do things. But the thing is, we live in a time where so many businesses and um, and brands and uh, whatever um, are not um, affected by that anymore. Like the job I do and you and me work on, like if you work in any form of, um, or with media outlets or anything. So obviously you work on Sundays on, on, on public holidays or whatever, or you work in a hospital, you work in a restaurant or whatever. So you already have so many people working on Sundays. Um, so that I don't really see the point why you would still, um, you would still hold on to, to those kind of restrictions, um, for, for other businesses. Yeah, it's old value. It's like it's like you said. It's kind of out of fashion. Yeah. I think a little bit. Yeah, and but the, the the big thing is people are used to it. Yeah, I mean, but I, but is I just don't think that's a great excuse to keep something going, <laughs> just because people are used to. No, it. no, but because people are but, used to it, nobody's complaining. Basically. Oh, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Yeah, that's true. I mean, even myself. I mean, if I if I think about it, then I can complain about it. But normally, I'm so used to it that I yeah. don't think about it normally. Just, you know, unless I forgot something, then I get like kind of pissed off. Like, ah, oh, damn it. But um, okay, number three, punctuality. Germans hate being late! Exclamation point. In the States, it's common to run late, and it's often excusable. For example, when Americans make dinner plans for around 7 p.m., it often means 7.30. Not to a German. When making dinner plans with a German, the time specified is set in stone, and any tardiness is considered rude. Often the German, (laughs) the German, will show up five minutes early, but never a minute late. So when making plans with German friends, make sure to be on time. That's completely false. I mean, there's a sense of punctuality that that is sort of respected in, in every professional no. uh, fee. Like if you have professional Zoom calls, if you're meeting at a cafe for something with business, if you have a phone call at two o'clock, 
like people are punctual and it is respectful to be on time to be ready and if you're not going to be ready just to send a text or something i'll be i'll be just a few minutes late but this thing about the dinners i mean there's a few people who show up on time but if you're if i show up at like if i were if you said you're going to have dinner at seven and i just like because of the train or something just happened to get there 10 past yeah no one, no one would say anything about that. Yeah, that's, I mean, but that is also maybe a, a thing, um, like, probably like just the, the, the thing with the, the opening times of stores, et cetera, um, which is treated different ways by different generations. Like, I... Oh, that's true, um, yeah. So I, I, I still, um, I don't know, I have to think when I, for certain occasions, I, I meet like people from like two generations older than me. Um, this could still be a thing. And like, um, if I, as a child, if I, if I, if I turn up late for, I don't know, at my, at my grandma's because she made, she made lunch for me or something, she wouldn't be, she wouldn't consider it super rude because she, she's my grandma and she loves me, but still it's like, okay, where have you been? <laughs> What have you done? And <laughs> it's getting cold. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, I think it has transferred more to like a, like a, uh, yeah, like a professional punctuality. Like yeah, regarding, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So it's the same for like in schools. They're obviously kind of super strict <laughs> with it, and I was always super late as a student. Now <laughs> oh, your mom loves that. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah but i but i but i i i got i think i got, I got over that so i i'm also someone who's um so now that regarding regarding my job that i am really um look after that i'm punctual for 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 calls for meetings and that's something you, you in my job you you automatically have to kind of adapt to because if you if you work on shows like live shows, etc. Right, those can't be like, <laughs> uh, cannot be. Well, of course, yeah. Well, then, then yeah. that's just the that's industry. a thing. And plus, you know, um, yeah. But in, yeah, also in in other other types of business. So what I also remember, I don't know how it was when you worked in cafes in Munich, but and at my jobs in in bars and and etc. in Munich, it also was a thing like, hey, if someone um, had a reserva reservation for a table. And they wouldn't show up after ten minutes. We would kind of make that free for for anyone. As it, yeah, I would. Yeah, I'd say like latest, latest. Like if it's a really nice, nice hostess or host, maybe fifteen minutes. But yeah, around ten yeah. minutes. I would say yeah, that sounds right. And it's still a, still a thing there. But you could also. Um, consider that that kind of professional punctuality because it's still about the the people running the the the, the restaurant or the cafe making money right. out of it, <laughs> right? And I mean, you know, that also comes down to I think if you know that you're going to be late, if you don't call the restaurant yeah. to adjust something like so they know, then I mean that's kind of on you as well like okay well we were late so they have to put you know put butts in the seats kind of yeah. but i think this in general thing like that the german will show up five minutes early but never a minute late is is not not true for everyone especially not in our generation um let me do a quick pee and then we can look at number four yes, sir. i'll be right back mm -hmm. 
dying. Yesterday was leg day. Oh, you're doing sports. Yes. Oh man, that should be in this list of uh, of um, like cliches. I mean, so so many German people I know are very very good and self self uh, like determined, self disciplined to. <laughs> Make make I I do I'm I'm it's crazy I'm losing so much English now I always say making sport yeah which is not which is not yeah. English man it's just not how you say it you always say oh you exercised yeah. <laughs> you know or, or did you play sports yeah. or something but when you say in Germany you always say like oh yeah I made sport earlier <laughs> which just means you worked out yeah <laughs> so ridiculous man I did too I did too what what what's your what's your um your fix or how do you, are you watching a video or, a pod, or listening to something or like I have your own routine I, I discovered or I don't know if you can call it discovered I um, I'm doing a new program um, it is a app by a huge American sports brand I'm not sure if I want to want to oh give the, them. oh I know that one I know that one <laughs> I, I, ha- I had that one for like a few months before Christmas um, and this app is Kind of great because you get a lot of um, stuff free. And now I just created myself a six-week workout, five units per week. And I started yesterday. And the first unit is basically, it's just like, I don't know, 10 minutes or something. um, Different, um, different, like... Motions and stuff you need to do, like everything, full body squats, push-ups, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But yeah. um, um, you have to do all of it very fast and quick changes. And the, it's yeah. the, so the first unit is basically just about to to check your level and where the the, the where the bar yeah, is exactly kind of. to 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 set the bar okay. on where the the workout um on which level, what kind of units they will give you. And it's pretty cool because it's also pretty flexible. Like if you have a day, you, you have like, have like two off days every week. And, but if you see your schedule doesn't work out, you can just add that there. You just don't, you just must not forget it, but you can just type in there. Okay. Like this unit today doesn't work out because I don't know, I work long. You don't, obviously you don't have to explain yourself <laughs> towards the app, but just so, okay, I can't do that uh, today. And it'll autom- automatically, um, change all of the work, the workout around it so that you, st- that oh, you cool. stay in the rhythm and in the routine. I just love you. I like imagining that you type in that you can't, you can't make it today. And there's just some really disappointed guy with a six pack, just no, you know, arms crossed. But it's a, but oh, more like a really oh. disappointed bot. Oh, just yes, yeah, super sexy body, like Mo, Moritz. like we're like a body, like we're we're two we're two weeks in. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I expected much more from you, Moritz. <laughs> Um, okay, so uh, number four on this cliche list is surprisingly public restrooms in the states. Oh, but that's nice because after the go. first three, I thought, okay, this is like a super lame list because it's it's the obvious ones. But okay, tell me more about public restrooms. I think th- I think this is interesting because I, I just skipped ahead and I, I actually kind of understand this. In the states, almost anywhere you go, you can find free public restrooms. Whether walking around the mall or at the grocery store, a free restroom is usually available to the public. This is not the case in Germany, as most public restrooms are not free. Most are pay-to-use and cost around 50 cents, but you can expect them to be clean and well-kept. This is actually, I think, not talked about enough. This is something that I have gotten used to now, but noticed a lot 
when I first moved here, as I never could find a bathroom. I would have to sneak into restaurants and pretend I had a table to use their bathroom and stuff. Or just had to make sure that I always had spare change around because there's occasionally a bathroom, like one bathroom in, in like the whole city center and it has four stalls, but it is clean and you have to pay to get in. No. But like around, uh, for example, for those who might know Munich, like Zendingatoa, this like a huge shopping area that leads to the really touristy parts like the like the uh, Marinenplatz and stuff. Um, this area is usually pretty high traffic, especially on Saturdays. A lot of families, a lot of people, old, young, everyone, big open street, hundreds of shops. And as far as I know, there are two places to pee. And that's absolutely insane to me. There's there's one pay right right there by the U-Bahn when you get yeah. out. There's one pay to pee. That's, that's new. And the other one is on the fifth floor of the Kaufhof. <laughs> like in the center of the nah. whole shop. I had to find that. I had to like really look around for that bathroom because, and yet you also, there's a lady standing there at the urinal that, you know, you have to tip because you feel so yeah. bad, but it's crazy. I mean, I am thankful. Like he says that the restrooms are clean and well-kept most of the time, like maybe 85% of the time, but there is a severe lack of, um, what do you call it? Like peeing opportunities, you know? Like availability. Yeah, that's true. Or what do you think? Is this is this something that you never thought about? I I think about it, but only in situations where I really need it. Um, well, yeah. And I think <laughs> it, this this might be this might be um, a spicy take, but I mean, you could bring this down to a whole thing about um, German mentality, etc. And like, um, okay. like lifestyle. So? Because, as, so, so obviously, um, regarding public restaurants, the, like there is, first of all, I think there's kind of a misunderstanding because most of the, like obviously the, the, the ones you have to pay for are no public um, restrooms. It's a business. Like the ones you have at, um, at gas stations, at the Autobahn, et cetera. They're always, always cost like sunny something, sunny, you know them. When we, when we, Right, it's a, it's a, it's like a brand. Exactly, bathroom. it's like, it's like, the, it's like, like toilet, like, like restroom franchises, basically. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, there, there is kind of a, a lack of of public um, restrooms, and I think two things. First of all, um, the like in Munich, I think it has to do with the the immense growth of the city, and that they have just kind of missed out on that. And the second thing I think about right. about because I don't know it's it sounds like you and and the the American guy who who wrote this down thought about this a lot and like I said I only think about it when I really need it and now let me bring it down to this this thing about German mentality and um kind of kind of I'm kind, of, kind of lifestyle because um <laughs> Because talking about like Germans are super organized, super punctual, super strict. And I mean, there is also this kind of thing about planning when to go to the bathroom. Oh my God. Really? You know what I mean? Like they don't spontaneously just listen to their bladder. They say like, I will go to the bathroom now and then I will go shopping and then I can go here before I go to dinner. Mm, like, like, 
Mm, I, I don't, don't think most of the people think about that actively, but okay. <laughs> when I think about how I was educated, like you get kind of trained to, 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 to feel where I, where am I? Am I at school or at, at my job? Et cetera. I know there's a, there's a restroom. I don't have to think about that, but like I got educated I by my mom, wherever we would go. And I'm, I think it's the same with, with, uh, with, um, many people, wherever we would go before we would leave, my mom would ask me several times, do you need to pee? Go now before we, before we go there, probably there's going to be no restroom, etc. Right. Go now. Yeah. yeah. We had the same. And, um, again, I, I think it's just a thing that, um, that people are used to. And I, I also think it is an, it is an, an issue. And if you think further, like, um, like having public restrooms, not only for someone who needs to pee, but maybe like parents with their, um, with their babies and they have to change diapers or, um, right. Yeah. Right. Or, um, or people, or people on their period or something, um, right? Like regarding all of those, uh, like uses for for public restrooms, I think it is an issue, and I, there are definitely not enough. But I'm not sure if it's if it also depends on cities because um, that's something I realized when I moved to Munich. Okay, there are very few public restrooms and very few regarding the open spaces Munich has. Um, very few trash cans like in public spaces. Yeah, that's true. I only noticed those next to the bus stations yeah. or the, the U-Bahn yeah. or something. There might be one little can, yeah. but not just, not, not just all around, not just yeah, near when, like, Oh, there's people here. So put a can yes, you know? when you're, when you're, I don't know, at the Olympia park or English garden or something, it happens often that you, you, you really have to, to, to carry a trash for like, I don't know, 500 meters until you find the next one, et cetera. And in other yeah, cities, it's, it's not like true. that. Like every 50 to 100 meters. There's something, there is something to get rid yeah. of your trash. That's true. That's true. But funny and thing, because I, uh, I think it's just another thing mm-hmm. people are used to it, and maybe they're trained to to um, to hold back their, <laughs> um, their urine, et cetera, um, <laughs> to, to not have, have toilets, yeah. I think I, maybe I just noticed it more because in the last two years or so, I just... I don't know. I drink something like 10 liters of water. A yeah. Day. You're crazy. I'm just, I don't know why. I don't know how that's, st- I think that started at the school because we were always told to bring water bottles and I used, to, I wasn't used to drinking out of bigger, like big bottles. And then I just had this mentality that I should just keep filling it up whenever I got halfway. So I would fill it and then drink it. Like and when you went to school or the school it. you worked at? The school that I okay. worked at, it was encouraged that everybody had their own water bottles. So then I just got into the habit of it. And now I drink so much water and I, th- I always have this sensation when I leave the house, I, I, ha- I tell myself like I'm a kid, I'm like, go pee now, even if you don't feel like it, cause you're going to have something there. <laughs> and then, and then when I go out, I am always making, I'm looking, I'm making sure I'm checking. Is there a bathroom here? Can I go to, a, can I go to the bathroom here? I don't think I can go to the bathroom here. And then my brain says, you're not allowed to pee here. Now you have to pee. And then my brain thinks, oh no, now I have to pee. Why did I think about if I could pee here? Now I have to pee. And then I'm just, <laughs> I feel like this is such a ridiculous thing to say, but I'm just, then I start thinking about where the bathrooms are. And that's how I found the one in the Kalfoff. Okay, number five. 
Number five, uh, drinking alcohol in the streets. If some of these are, are really lame, we can also just skip them, but I just want to read them. Drinking alcohol in the streets. In the U.S., it's forbidden to walk around with an open container of alcohol in public. Getting caught can result in a hefty fine or jail. Man, come on, that's state to state. This is one of, one of my favorite perks of Germany. It's perfectly legal to take an afternoon stroll down a cobblestone street and marvel at the architecture while enjoying a tasty local brew. Uh, I can't relate to that. Coming from New Orleans, that's uh, part of the culture, walking around with open containers. So that's definitely city to city and something that I love that we can do here. Any comments there? I would skip that one. Yeah, I can skip that one. Number six, public transportation. America is not known for its efficient and easy-to-use public transportation system. I can comment on this one. With the exception of a few large cities, most U.S. public transit is often unreliable and inconvenient. This is not the case in Germany. Public transportation there is very convenient, easy to use, and is a very cost-effective way to travel. Whether they're going from city to city or just getting around towns, the German public transportation system is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can definitely vouch for this. I mean, coming from New Orleans, there is um, extremely unreliable um, streetcar systems. The buses are garbage. They just don't come. There's no underground, of course, because we're way under sea level there. Um I mean, you just have to have a car and only up until recently, a bicycle. They didn't even have bike lanes until like 2015, which is really, really wild. So when I first came here and saw, I was overwhelmed when I came here because it reminded me of my trip to New York when I was like 14 or 15, because it's just every single corner is a bus or a tram or a streetcar or a um, underground or the, the street bond or, you know, it's just... A completely new uh, it was a completely new world and i was not used to having you know buying the ticket stamping the ticket um that was all completely new to me that whole world yeah. was part of the allure of like oh my gosh i'm in a foreign country <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it is especially in munich i think public transportation is pretty good it's pretty good it's yeah um the thing is it also could be better and still munich has an issue with being too car friendly i think yeah like there yeah i can see what you mean. there's a lot of cars there's way too cars many cars and it's just a and not in terms of people would need it it's more just like an yeah status symbol and attitude like yeah oh yeah have so many bmws like, and mercedes um, and there is no single reason to have a car in the in the city um except of i don't know um police um emergency institutes and like craftsmen and the delivery people those are the only the only groups that i would say okay if I if I was if I was the mayor of Munich, I would I would I would try to to, to bring that as as a as a, as a city rule. Like within the um, in in the inner city, no cars at all, except of like deliveries. Um, I don't know. Yeah, crafts or like even like a maybe like a carpool lane if you're driving with like uh, three or more people. No, you know it's it's also I think carpool lane would also be kind of fair but yeah it's just way like you know you get in the bus with you know just 12 like 10 or 12 people on a bus that sits 60 and then you look beside you and it's just car after car after car after car of one person in each 
thing. It's really in a city like this, you really don't need it as much as in the South, like where my parents live. You have to have a car. Yeah. In New Orleans, you had to have a car. And exactly, I know it's more. It's I know it's more of like an American thing to to drive a car. I know that's also part of the culture. But also, a German here thing, you really obviously. just just don't need. Yeah, it's really wild. Um, okay, number seven. Uh, this is a fun one. German directness. Uh, as Americans, we are taught from a very young age that if we don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. We are encouraged to only state the positive of a situation, even if it's very minimal or non-existent for sake of offending someone. In Germany, this is the complete opposite. Germans are very direct and tend to speak the truth, even if it's not sunny and nice. They tend to not beat around the bush and they get straight to the point. To them, speaking honestly is being kind and considerate, while speaking falsely is considered to be disingenuous i have to say this is pretty this is pretty accurate not that i've ever had a i haven't had so many german people be um honest in a way that i felt like they were like so truthful that it hurt or something like you can usually read that they are still polite people and they're just being honest i I definitely had to like i definitely had to develop an understanding of that kind of response from people when i would when i would submit something to a german uh if it was a german person if it was like uh if i was writing a song with somebody or, or trying ideas with somebody or pitching story concept or just pitching something um i had to get used to if they don't like it it's definitely 100 percent not personal and in America, it's very easy to take it personally. For some reason, no. it's really just part of the culture. You just think like, oh, you don't have anything nice to say? Or, or what do you mean you don't like no. it? But here, if it's if something doesn't fit like the greater concept, I mean, there's it's always, of course, it's a huge, it's, you know, it's a country. There's, it's people to people. Yeah, and yeah. In creative fields, you always have ego and you always have insecurity and stuff. But in a general sense, like professional people who aren't... Um, who aren't like trying to hurt your feelings or something. They, the majority of like professional people will just be honest. If an idea doesn't work for the greater concept, if it's like just not the right idea, but it doesn't mean that they don't want to work with you or that you're bad at your job or anything, you know, they're usually thankful that you tried something, even if it doesn't work. Yeah. And I I gotta say that's, that's an, um, that's something I actually, really love because i just hate f- i just hate too much small talk i just hate fake um kind of i don't know friendliness etc um yeah and that's something i can i can um really relate to because um like situations where i was um annoyed by people etc the worst things that come to my mind were when when people were super friendly and um only said nice things, but at the end of the day, um, like regarding, I don't know, job interviews, et cetera. But at the end of the day, they said like, yeah, you don't have the job. You sucked basically. <laughs> Just to give an example. Right, they didn't. And th- this yeah, is the they, worst yeah. for me. I hate it. I hate it if peop- when people are not honest. And regarding yeah. that so m- much of American culture is, um, is brought to Germany, obviously, re- especially regarding pop culture, there, right. I think it, in, within certain s- social groups, it has developed this kind of mm, attitude to, like you said, only say something if you have to say something positive. 
like a false sense of yeah. of and I, I don't I don't have an I don't have an have an issue with um with with that in general and I, I, I and I totally respect that this is this is a cultural thing within the US and that's totally fine but I hate it I hate the adapted version of it like the 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 the, the, the German American way of like small talk and um kind of way to lead conver- conversations yeah, definitely. And I, you know, I think <clears throat> I have to say I have to give credit to to Germany here. Living here has helped me so much be more honest when I don't like an idea. You know, because I've I've had to take it and swallow it and say this person will understand that this is not personal. Yeah. You know, and they, you know, like <clears throat> they've told me when they don't like an idea and it was not personal. So then you, you kind of have to digest that and digest that and digest that. And then eventually, if they pitch something that you're not sure about, you can know, which is kind of a kind of a comforting skill in a way to say, like, I know that this will not hurt their feelings. This is just they're pitching something because they want to be helpful or they want to try and do something good. And then if you say it doesn't work for you or it doesn't work for the project then everyone just uh, marks it out on the paper and goes, okay, well, I have this other thing. Or they say like, okay, well, what do you picture? It just, it's just like, it's just business. No. It's not, you know, it really helped me a lot to, to see that. Even with, even with, even with friends I mean, talking about doing something or making something together. And then if you don't like it or you don't want to do it that way, then they just go like, oh, okay, well, well how do you picture it? Or uh, let's try something else. You know, it's not like, oh, you don't like my idea. Why are you so mean? No. You know, <laughs> yeah, and I th- I think it is also something for for myself that really um, brought me further regarding when I got feedback of any any kind. I don't know when in these sports, when I was in school, at my job, or or wherever. Like, yeah. and it makes it so much easier to to really give and also accept like differentiated um, feedback. Like, hey, look here. Let's be honest. You did this good, but this you can do. You can I don't know do this better, etc. And to to really separate that from a personal level. And um, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> definitely. That, uh, that's something I actually actually enjoy because um, you can still have um, have like emotional and and uh, and sweet conversations, etc. But when you have them, you you know what's the deal. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree. Yeah, this actually, this list turned out being more uh, interesting than I thought it would. <laughs> just like hearing hearing your thoughts on stuff. Um, so I think the next one we can skip. It's the autobahn. Nah. Hey, you can drive. You can drive really fast. Who gives a shit? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's basically it. It's just not that interesting. Yeah. It's just a it's just a highway. Um, Life okay. is a highway. <laughs> I want to drive oh, it on and on and that's all you need to know about the Autobahn uh, let's knock out these last two and then I think I gotta call it uh, this This is an interesting difference so number nine is the portion size of meals in the states we stand behind the belief that bigger the belief he spelled that wrong the belief that bigger is better and our meal portions are no exception it seems everywhere you go out to eat, you have the option to supersize or upgrade your meals. I'm not saying this is a good thing, but it is a huge contribution to obesity. Yes. 
So when visiting Germany, be prepared to get smaller meal portions when dining out. I would say on average that the meal portions are 25% less than the average size that you would get in the States. In general, Germans are fairly healthy conscious and are aware of the direct link of overeating and obesity. Have they tried Bavarian food? (laughs) 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 Have you had like a, you know, a a Schweinhaxe with with the Knödel and Spätzle mit Soße and... Like we, I mean, we have huge. that heavy food that we don't don't even need that huge por- portions. Like that's that's it. Yeah, it's so heavy that you don't like you physically can't eat a big portion. Yeah, of it. but um, <laughs> but I think that's also something something I like um, because in, in like in most um, uh, restaurants, it's um, totally fine to. Um, to order a second portion, basically, or in 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 most in basically right. any good restaurant, I don't know if you have like spätzle pasta or anything as as what do you call it garnish, um, and right. you want more, you you'll get more for free if you ask for it. And that's something I don't see anything bad with that. No, 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 no. I, th- I guess like in general, it di- I mean it just depends on the kind of restaurant you go into. I mean. There's a few nice places, like there's nicer, for example, like German-French, you know, combo cuisine places. And yeah, the portions are going to be smaller because it's just higher quality food. And, you know, you have so many, you have like so many different plates throughout the the meal that you you get full for, for sure anyway, of course. And then I don't know if that's totally realistic anymore that this 25% less thing I don't I mean I stayed fat I mean there's definitely <laughs> enough there's enough to go around no it's, you did it's not it's the bread man it's it's the bakeries you know it's the it's the bread um and there's still you know there's still pizza here so don't cry <laughs> Americans <laughs> all right last one um the use of cash When shopping in the U.S., I almost never think to carry cash with me. Besides the inconvenience of it, almost all stores in the U.S. accept all major credit cards and or debit cards. When I first came to Germany, this took me by huge surprise. Germany is a very cash-oriented country. Although most grocery stores do accept card, a majority of stores and restaurants are cash only, so make sure to hit the ATM prior to doing any shopping. Unlike the states where ATMs can be found at almost every gas station, ATMs in Germany are only found inside local banks and financial institutions. This is also changing. This is changing, um, especially since Corona, where yeah. when people start to think about, okay, how many people had this, um, I don't know, 10 euro bill in their hand. Um, and it was yeah. just to, to accept more more um, contactless methods of of pay. But yeah, this... this uh, this is something that is kind of paradox that all, all, all also um, really annoyed me. Like so many places where you could only pay by cash, and I can see advances of that, etc. And I still don't think a completely a world completely without any form of physical money wouldn't be that nice for many different reasons. But um, like having so many places where you have cash only, but just a few ATMs, which might not be on your way. And in Munich, um, like if you, if you don't have a have a credit card that is that has a special deal that you can I don't know um, pick up cash at basically any ATM, you would always right. have to pay fees if you don't find your bank 
like your, your local um, bank franchise where you where you find an ATM where you can uh, pick up cash without any fees. Um, and that's really something that sucks. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Like, like I don't, I, I yeah, don't want, I, I don't want to have to pay five euros to to pick up thirty euros to go to a bar where I can only pay with cash. You know what I mean? Exactly. That's very. I've had that experience a lot, and that's really annoying and inconvenient, <clears throat> especially when there's a few restaurants that do it too, and you just don't think to take out, you know, sixty bucks yeah. or whatever it is. You just think. Maybe I'm going to go to a bar. I'll, yeah, take out 20 or 30, maybe 40. Depends on what kind of mood. And then you're paying, sometimes you're paying like six euros on top. No. It's just thievery, man. It's crazy. And then, you know, if it's not your bank and you do go to a, this you know financial institution or this bank to go to the ATM, then it also takes a big fee. And these Euronet ATMs are so garbage, man. They steal your money. No. It's crazy. Yeah, that is that is truly annoying. Like when certain cafes don't um, don't take card. I think um, I think Cafe Blah or Malafitz, one of the two cafes I worked at for a while was cash only. I think it was Cafe Blah was cash only, yeah. and that was so difficult, man. You had so many people coming in; they would order like thirty euros of stuff, which in a cafe is a yeah. lot. And then they would just you know they would be talking to their friend and just you know not even looking at me, just put their card out. And then I would have to interrupt yeah. them and say, I'm so sorry, like, we don't take card. And they would be like, what? We, we ordered so much and don't, don't even make it. And then they would, you know, it's, it sucks. Yeah. They lose business. But now that's changed. Now they, they take, uh, now they're, actually, now they are cashless. <laughs> Crazy. But I find it, but, but I find it super interesting within, um, like, other um, uh, nations where they all, where, like, it's, it feels like some nations are already completely um, cashless. I once worked for a weekend at um, or in Mallorca. I, I think I told you about this once. Um, it, it was oh, yeah. a, a three-day job, basically a huge event for this um, huge company uh, for whose party we already played one time. Um, right. Long story, um, but I worked there and did many different things. I, I built up certain locations where they had events, and I also... Um, stood behind a bar the whole night in this kind of club they had. And obviously, since it was a kind of a, a corporate event, nobody had to pay for any any drinks or stuff. So basically, you stand behind the bar and you make drinks and give them out. And some people still wanted to give um, give us a tip. Tips. Tips, yeah. yeah. Which is super sweet. But um, most of the people that were in this club were Swedish. And like five people in this one night came to me and wanted to tip me with their credit card. <laughs> oh man and there's no there was no way to do that obviously right? not like <laughs> you're like I'll take yeah, your I was like, card you can paypal me <laughs> if you want to <laughs> <laughs> oh man I mean it's it's a really nice offer yeah. but it's it's uh you think those rich Swedes would have some cash with come on <laughs> nice man well I have to call it here That's but um I hope we hope we didn't start the show off with too much of a of a drag. Hope we, uh, you guys stuck with us because I think this last half was really regarding fun. point six, being honest and also being able to talk about serious stuff. And I think that's also something since we are a, a, a American German podcast where there should be space for. And I mean, probably a lot of people um, who are artsy farts immigrants have those kind of issues, and I find it um, important and good that we. 
can we have the space to also talk about this awesome man that's how i feel too i think it's cool that we have the platform to to be able to discuss that stuff and hopefully you know if someone knows something and they want to talk to me about it either to help me or maybe i learned something that they want to know more about maybe i can help them uh, you can, yeah, you can write us an email at podcast at m945.de or as always, if you or someone you know is an artsy fartsy immigrant, our new guest lineup starts in two weeks. So if you want to try and hop on this year, can s- send us a DM on Instagram at artsy fartsy immigrants. And like I said at the beginning of the show, um, if you enjoy listening to this program, please go to iTunes and give us a rating or a review or a subscription. Even if you don't listen to us on iTunes, if you have it and you have Apple Podcasts, please go on there and do that because it really, really helps people find us. It's crazy how much that helps. We would really, really appreciate yeah, that. It's the least you can and, do. Um, <laughs> I, I also got to say, because um, we've got this super sweet feedback from my mom uh, last week. And if you are someone like my mom who does not feel capable of um, putting that feedback into uh, or on Apple Podcasts, you can uh, also send it to us, old fash- good old-fashioned emails, podcast at m945.de, and we'll, I don't know, set up some fake account and <laughs> put them on, I don't, yeah. I don't know. But if you really don't um, uh, feel capable of, of, of doing this on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, etc., you can also send us your feedback. Um, yeah. And we can put it in there for you somehow. somehow. Or we can post yeah. about it, or or at least we'll read yeah. it. So that's always, that's nice too. Um, and again, if you want to support the show financially, you can go to patreon.com slash Jordan Prince, and you can uh, fund our next pizza night. Otherwise, guys, thank you so much for listening, as always. And we are going to be back uh, next week. I do want to say we are recording our next episode, most likely on February 2nd. And since you're hearing this episode, I just want to do a, a, a plug for myself. I did a um, a live performance of a brand new song with a the choir uh, called the Lost and Found Choir of Munich. And next week, Feb- February 2nd, the Tuesday, um, live at 7 p.m. Munich time, check your time zones, you can go uh, to this link that we can put in the description yeah. and you can set a reminder on YouTube and you can watch the premiere of this live choir video on YouTube alongside me and the choir all watching together. There's a live chat feed and we can all watch it premiere together and comment about it and talk about it as it's playing. And um, yeah, it should be really, really, really nice. We had it uh, saved and produced for like a year now. Finally, we can release it. So I'm really excited. About nice. It. Maybe we can, we can do kind of a, a live recording. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. That would be cool. To pair the, 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 the live premiere chat. Cool. Nice, man. Well, really cool stuff. And thank you so much, as always, for your advice and your time and your good looks. I like your new haircut. <laughs> All right, man. Well, then, uh, yeah, guys, we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Look out, baby. The saints are coming through. And it's all over now, baby blue. Artsy Farsi Immigrants, ein Podcast von John Prince und Moritz Batscheider, produziert für M94.5.